experienced it in our lives, right? Like where you're just somewhere and you're like, I, I can't believe I'm here. Like, this is what I wanted and it's leaving me dry, hanging. And the beauty is, is that when us as priests of the Most High God, a kingdom of priests, a holy people, when we go out into the world, the proof of the loss that comes from living in rebellion against God is evident in the people who are doing it and they feel it. They feel the tension because they know that they were created for more than that. When a person submits their life to God, all the habits and problematic behavior doesn't disappear with a poof. Sometimes it lingers, and there's a period of time where a person might waver. Today, Pastor Daniel will take us through the process that the priests went through in order to be sure a person was thoroughly cleansed from disease. The Lord allows for us to be spiritually cleansed in a way that draws us nearer to Him. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with part two of his message entitled, Cleansing for Blemishes. When somebody who has been diagnosed with this skin disease, and they're out of the camp, and they find that they've been healed, they call for the priest, and notice the priest leaves the camp. He leaves the camp to go meet them. Why? Because they're outside the camp for protection. They don't want the disease to spread, so they're isolated outside the camp. But notice that the priests of God go outside the camp to go meet the people who are isolated on their own turf. Now, obviously, I'm going to make an, an application for that. Because, brothers and sisters, if you're here tonight, if you go to church, if you're born again, you love God, you need to go outside the camp and meet people where they are. And the church lost that along the way. And I'm not saying, I mean, the church in general. There was a time when people just, I mean, I want to get right with God. I'm going to go to church so the pastor would preach the gospel and people would get saved. Now, when people want to get right, they don't go to church. And the key for us is we need to bring the church to them. We need to leave the safety of our family. And we all do it every day, don't we? We go out into the world, but we want to go and meet people where they are. Right where they are. Now, it doesn't mean we need to sin that we may reach them, but we need to be willing to go on out and say, hey, listen, you should come on back. You should, we're going to be friends. We're going we're to spend some time together. The priest went out to, the, to where the people who were isolated were to check them out on their turf. And so what that means, if you're a student, man, you're a missionary. If you have a job, you're a missionary, even if you work at a church. We're all missionaries. We're outreaching people in the name of Jesus. We're loving them on their terms. We're not trying to say, listen, you need to get all together. And No, man, we just go meet them right where they are, and we speak to them, and we love them, we care about them, and we look out for them. And we're light, not because we say that you shouldn't say that, you shouldn't do that. We just simply love them right where they are. When they say, hey, so I don't understand what's going on. You say, well, can I tell you? I remember when I was in the Bay Area and I was playing music, you know, as I was planning, I was pastoring two churches and it was a very expensive place to live. I was playing gigs and it was so fun because I had all these guys who they'd be like, oh, Pastor, you know, Daniel, they call you the pastor, don't they, on Sundays? I'm like, yeah, like, well, we're not going to call you that. 
I love that, you know, they're sticking it to me, you know. They might call you pastor on Sunday, you're just the bass player tonight. And then, and then they would say things like, well, we're never going to your church. And I'm thinking to myself, man, I brought the church right here to this club, you know. But you know what's funny, though? And I don't say this to pat myself on the back. It's just my experience. Every time something went wrong in their life, who did they call? Yeah. And I would say to them, I'm like, look, do you really want my opinion or do you just want me to just feel bad for you right now? And I'm from New Jersey, so I can get away talking that way. You know, it's part of my charm, you know. And they would say, no, I really want to know what you think. I remember one guy, he was living with a girl. It fell apart. He was brokenhearted. And I'm like, well, you, you know what the problem is? I'm like, you're pretending like you're married. You're not married. That's the problem. I'm like, so you got to have all this stuff together. You're not married. You never made a commitment to each other. You know why it hurts? Because not only did this not work, but you guys did all sorts of things that you weren't supposed to do. And now you're like, I don't know what to do with myself. He's like, so what are you saying is I shouldn't live with women? I'm like, yeah, you're right. You should make a commitment. I mean, before you make a commitment, you should be a good guy. Like, how many women have you lived with in the time that we've been friends? Looks at me. You know? Because, you know, it's amazing. Some of you grew up in the church. You guys never did anything wrong. And, man, we say praise God for you. You know what I mean? Like, praise God. Like, like you're blessed. But I realize that people who grew up in the church, like, they have their own faith journey. When you grow up around it all the time, it's not always easy to make your faith your own because you're so used to it. Right? But for those of us who didn't spend our upbringing honoring God, you know the emptiness of rebellion against God. We've all experienced it in our lives, right? Like where you're just somewhere and you're like, I, I can't believe I'm here. Like, this is what I wanted and it's leaving me dry, hanging. And the beauty is, is that when us as priests of the Most High God, a kingdom of priests, a holy people, when we go out into the world, the proof of the loss that comes from living in rebellion against God is evident in the people who are doing it, and they feel it. They feel the tension because they know that they were created for more than that. How many of us, before we came to faith, even before someone even told us it was wrong, we were struggling with the existential dilemma of what we were doing and how it made us feel, that this wasn't fulfilling. This isn't what I wanted. I'm doing what I want to do, and it's not really what I want. Why do I get what I want, and I get nothing? Why is this the case? So our presence there, we're simply there to catch the fruit that's going to fall off the tree because it's already empty, and they know it. But what most people don't have is they don't have people who love God around them, so when it's time for them to fall, they'll be like, hey, listen, man, God loves you. God's for you. God took care of you because we isolate ourselves. But the priests go out of the camp. They go meet with them where they are, right? And he examines them. And if the leper's healed, then there's the cleansing ritual. Take for him who is cleansed two living and clean birds, cedar wood, scarlet, and hyssop. So we have two wild living birds and then cedar wood, scarlet, and hyssop. And what you have is that one of the birds is sacrifice, because remember, we've been talking about this the whole time, the, the reality of the sacrifice, that because the wages of sin is death, in order for sins to be forgiven, somebody needs to pay the price. Now, people struggle with that today, because they're like, oh, those poor birds, or those poor goats, or those poor lambs. But as I always say, forgiveness always costs somebody something. It always does. That's the way it works. When all those banks had liquidity problems, 
when all the banks failed, somebody had to fill in the gap and the government decided to do it. Or they let certain banks fail. And because those banks were big, they got that opportunity. A lot of us lost a lot of stuff because there was nobody willing to die. And so we had to deal with that end of it. But in order to bring things together, forgiveness always costs somebody something. And ultimately, all the sacrifices point to God's ultimate sacrifice, the blood of Jesus, the blood that cleanses once for all, God's own provision. All of the animals were precursors. They were meant to be symbols and types of God's ultimate cleansing. And so in order for somebody who was separated from the people to be returned into the covenant community, a bird, and now again, it's a wild bird, and so the idea is it couldn't have been a pet because, again, they're concerned, obviously, about the health if they're uh, an animal or a caged animal within it. So birds, and then one would be killed over running water. Again, all of this is, how many of you guys know that you shouldn't drink standing water, right? Only running water. You guys know this, right? Why? Because when it's something standing still, it gets nasty, right? But if it's running, it's got a self-purifying aspect to it. So the bird is killed, the blood over running water, and then it's all applied to the person as they are brought back into the covenant community. Now, it's beautiful here because the selection of two clean birds speaks of the renewed state of cleanness in the healed person. So you have these clean birds, they're sacrificed. This is the cleansing ritual for reintegration. Now, look at what happens. In verse 8, it says, He who is to be cleansed shall wash his clothes, shave off all his hair, and wash himself in water that he may be clean. After that, he shall come into the camp and shall stay outside his tent seven days. But on the seventh day, he shall shave all the hair of his head and his beard and his eyebrows. You guys ever see the wall, the movie The Wall? Yeah. Every time I read that, shaving your eyebrows. Don't shave your eyebrows, please. If you never saw the Pink Floyd movie, The Wall, don't, don't. I had a long past. But that guy's freaking out. He shaves his eyebrows. It just looks really weird. I know you ladies do it, and then you pencil it in and stuff, but that's a whole other discussion. I don't know. Any, I'm not a makeup artist, so I'll leave that off. Anyway, I digress. Middle of verse 9, all his hair he shall shave off. He shall wash his clothes and wash his body in water, and he shall be clean. And on the eighth day, verse 10, he shall take two male lambs without blemish, one ewe lamb of the first year without blemish, three-tenths of an ephah of fine flour mixed with oil as a grain offering and one log of oil. Then the priest who makes him clean shall present the man, verse 11, and those things before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. And the priest shall take one male lamb and offer it as a trespass offering and the log of oil and wave them as a wave offering before the Lord. Then he shall kill the lamb in the place where he kills the sin offering and the burnt offering in the holy place for as a sin offering is the priest, so is the trespass offering, it is most holy. Verse 14, the priest shall take some of the blood of the trespass offering, and the priest shall put it on the tip of the right ear of him who is to be cleansed, on the right thumb of his right hand, and on the big toe of his right foot. And the priest shall take some of the log of oil and pour it into the palm of his own left hand. Then the priest shall dip his right finger in the oil, that is in his left hand and shall sprinkle some of the oil with his finger seven times before the Lord. 
And of the rest of the oil in his hand, the priest shall put some on the tip of the right ear of him who is to be cleansed, and the thumb of the right hand, and the big toe of the right foot on the blood of the trespass offering. The rest of the oil that is in the priest's hand, he shall put on the head of him who is to be cleansed. So the priest shall make atonement for him before the Lord. Verse 19, and the priest shall offer the sin offering and make atonement for him who is to be cleansed from his uncleanness. Afterward, he shall kill the burnt offering and the priest shall offer the burnt offering and the grain offering on the altar. So the priest shall make atonement for him and he shall be clean. Now, we mentioned this last week. Notice, after the initial ceremony of the two birds, now it says that this person needs to wash their clothes, shave off all their hair, and wash themselves under water that they be clean. So the priest declares this person clean. They have the initial offering. Now you get, you get a shower, or literally more a bath. You get a, a fresh set of clothes, and you completely shave. Now, as we said, shaving was not normal in that culture. You got to remember, it's long before all the different layers of clothes we had, the reason there's hair on different parts of our body is to protect us from the elements in that culture, especially the Jewish culture. They weren't allowed to shave the sides of their beard, which means that they were just supposed to keep growing their beards. So seeing somebody completely shaven, it, it was a symbolic act saying this person is brand new, like a child all over again, like a baby, all over again. So they're completely washed. They're, they have their clothes changed. They get everything is shaven. And they're allowed to go back into the camp, but they're not allowed to go back into their tent. So notice, they're in, but they're not all the way in. They're readmitted, but there's still more to go. Why? Because we have a seven-day ritual once again. Now, why seven days? You guys remember? Because of the seven days of creation. This is a symbolic act. They'll come back in. There's a seven-day waiting period for them to be recreated again. The idea is, of course, is that they want to make sure that although it looks good, once he shaves and showers, he goes back in, they can inspect him again just to make sure that nothing pops up that they didn't notice. Now, on the seventh day, verse 9, he shall shave all the hair off his head and his beard and his eyebrows. All of his hair he shall shave off. He shall wash his clothes, wash his body in water, and he shall be clean. Now, so notice, he shaves, washes, showers, goes in seven days later, it all happens again. Because now they're saying, okay, it's time. And then they have a, the next cleansing ritual, which is a sin offering and a trespass offering. And if you studied the sacrifice series with us, we went over what the sin offering was and what the trespass offering was. And if you're like, hey, I, I missed that, you can go check it out on our archives on our website. Just go under media, go under archives, go under sacrifice. You can study them all. We did all the different offerings, what they were, how they functioned. So a couple of interesting points here. First, the priest who is doing this takes the trespass offering, he takes the log of oil, and he does a wave offering, which was a type of offering where you waved what it was before the Lord, you showed it, you lifted up your hands. Now, after they killed the lamb, notice that the person who is being cleansed gets the blood of the offering on his right ear, his right thumb, and his right big toe. Now, if you remember when they were anointing the priests, they did the exact same thing. And we made the point, the idea about the cleansing on your right ear. Now, why the right as opposed to the left? Because the majority of the people in the world are right-handed. Doesn't mean that those of you who are left-handed are inferior. You're just unique. And unique's not bad. I, I'm unique. So 
the, it was the predominance of people in that culture and in ours are right-handed. I think it's about 12% or 13% of the people are left-handed. Everyone else is right-handed. So the idea of the right side was the side of strength. That's why Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father. It's the place of power. And so the right ear, because God wants to cleanse what we hear. The right thumb, God wants to cleanse how we use our hands. Our right big toe, God wants to cleanse where our feet are going. So the idea is a holistic cleansing. God wants to cleanse what we hear, how we use our hands, and where we choose to walk. So first, you get the blood, and then, what does it say? The priest takes some of the oil, he puts in his left hand, he dips his right finger in, and he puts the oil on the right ear, the right thumb, and the right big toe. Right? Now, now think about this. Blood, of course, is a picture of who? Jesus, right? The blood of Jesus. So first you get cleansed by the blood of Jesus. Oil is a picture of what? The Holy Spirit. Because after you put your faith and trust in Jesus, then you get empowered with the Holy Spirit. And brothers and sisters, I pray that you are saying, God, I want to be empowered with your Holy Spirit. And we want a holistic empowering. See, the problem with the way people think about the Holy Spirit today is we want to isolate the Holy Spirit to like a worship service. Like the only time the Holy Spirit can move is when we're all together. No, 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 no. We want to live spirit-filled lives 24-7. We want to be in the spirit, under the influence of the Holy Spirit all the time. And we don't just want spirit-filled words. See, we live in a day and age where because of the gifts of the spirit, many of them are speaking gifts, that we forget that the Holy Spirit wants to drench the totality of our lives. Where we walk our feet. You think about someone like Philip. In the book of Acts, he was in the middle of a huge revival. God was using him. The Holy Spirit, look, I want you to go somewhere else. And he goes on out and he meets one Ethiopian eunuch. Can you imagine you're in the middle of a revival? God's like, hey, I want you to go. And you're like, Lord, it's a revival. Like, hello? Like, you're on the move here, Lord. I'm not going anywhere. And Lord's like, no, 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 no. And Philip goes. He's whisked away, and he meets one Ethiopian eunuch. Now, this, this man went to worship in Jerusalem, and according to the law, we're going to get to it. If someone's a eunuch, they can't go in. Not allowed. So this guy travels all this way from Ethiopia to worship. Most likely, although it doesn't say, he gets turned away because he's not eligible to worship because of his eunuchness. That's good, isn't it? And he's out there and he's reading a scroll of the prophet Isaiah. And the Lord tells Philip, overtake that chariot. You can imagine just Philip like jogging, you know, like listening to this guy reading out this scroll. And he's like, hey, uh, do you understand what you're hearing, what you're listening to? And he's like, no, no, who can? He's like, I can explain it to you. And he gets on into this chariot and he explains the prophecy in Isaiah to this Ethiopian eunuch. The Ethiopian eunuch is like, okay, yeah, I believe. Like, we'd be baptized right now. There's water right there. Sure enough, he gets baptized, and right as they come up out of the water, what does the Spirit do? Pulls Philip away again. Now, you might think, God, it makes no sense for you to take me out of the middle of a revival, except for God wanted to get the gospel to Ethiopia. And the church wasn't going to Ethiopia for a long time, except for the fact that there was a eunuch who God wanted to save so that that eunuch who was going back home could bring the gospel. 
See, we don't want to isolate the Holy Spirit to very specific areas of our world. We want to say, Holy Spirit, we want you to revolutionize my worldview. I want you to revolutionize the totality of my life, what I value, why I value it, what I listen to and why I listen to it, what I involve myself in and what I choose not to involve myself in. See, holiness does not happen in a passive way. It happens in an active way. And holiness is brought into our lives by the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit gives us the ability to say, God, I am not going to do that anymore. So it's interesting. We get cleansed by the blood of Jesus. Then we get anointed with the Holy Spirit in the totality of our lives. And you know what I love about this ritual? After he anoints the right ear, the thumb, the big toe, what does he do with the rest of it? He just dumps it on the guy's head. It's a messy transaction. Why? Because after you get saved by the blood of Jesus, and after you get filled with the Holy Spirit, then what does God do? He makes you a priest. And that's the way the priests, you read in the Psalms, that the oil was dumped on Aaron's head and it went down his beard, drenched in the Holy Spirit. And brothers, sisters, I'm here to tell you, we need to pray and worship and say, God, I do not just want to be touched by your Holy Spirit. I want to be drenched. Lord, I want to be sloppy with your Holy Spirit. Now, I say that, and I say sloppy, and it's a little tongue-in-cheek, but we have to be careful not to make the Holy Spirit a parlor trick. And a lot of churches do this. They want to have that, that little Holy Spirit moment. So, like, literally, I mean, we can do it. We can dump, like, little, like, confetti into the air ducts and stuff. We, we can, like, we can oil up the pews, and you guys will sit down, slide right off it. And I say it, people do that stuff. So I don't want the Holy Spirit to be a parlor trick. I want him to be the most high God in our midst because that's who he is. And the way the Holy Spirit is most high God in our midst is when he is most high God in our lives as individuals. And then when we all come together, filled and under the influence of the Holy Spirit, then the presence of God becomes so tangible and so palpable in our midst that it's undeniable because people get changed by the presence of God. Our staff meetings have been all about that as a church. 2014 for Crossroads, man, we're saying, Lord, we need the Holy Spirit so seriously in our midst because we don't just want to be a growing church. We want to be a church where God is transforming our lives and that we are out transforming other people's lives. And the Holy Spirit is the great transformer of people. And so I'm here to tell you, brothers and sisters, we need to start asking God to make us sloppy, drenched with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. What I also realize is that I can't, no matter what people tell you, I can't preach the Holy Spirit into our midst. I wish I could. I'd get rich doing it. I'm just kidding. Some people try. Listen, man, you fly the Holy Spirit guy in, you know what I mean? But here's what I got for you. If us being evil know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Jesus is Now, here's Pastor Daniel with some important information about his book entitled, Honestly, Getting Real About Jesus and Our Messy Lives. Thanks, Josh. 
Writing my second book, honestly, getting real about Jesus and our messy lives was a huge milestone for me. It personally helped me to clarify some of the meaning behind the mess of this life. I talk about acknowledging the mess, finding resolution, pursuing God, and finally about the love that Jesus has for us. I'm so excited about this book, and I want to make sure that every Jesus is Real radio listener has a copy. I'm going to pass things over to Josh. He's going to tell you how to get your very own copy of Honestly. Thanks, Pastor Daniel. Honestly, getting real about Jesus and our messy lives is an insightful, simple-to-read book that helps make sense sense of the messiness we call life. We know Jesus never promised that our lives would be pain-free, but he did promise that he would always be there with us while in the midst of the mess. We want to make sure and get a copy of Honestly into your hands. Throughout the month of February, we are offering Daniel's book, Honestly, Getting Real About Jesus and Our Messy Lives, to anyone who supports Jesus is Real Radio with a gift of $20 or more. Your support helps us continue this important ministry and even expand. It's pretty simple. Check out JesusIsRealRadio.com and click on the Partner option in the main menu. There you can give your gift of $20 or more. And again, we'll send you your very own copy of Honestly, Getting Real About Jesus and Our Messy Lives as a thank you for your support. Again, to partner with us, visit JesusIsRealRadio.com and click on Partner to get your copy of Honestly, Getting Real About Jesus and Our Messy Lives. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we want to thank you for joining us today and may God bless you. Never trail beneath 